Hey everyone, this is David uh, from about uh, an hour in the future. So I realized um, as I was going back to edit the audio for this episode that when I was quoting the Charge of the Goddess towards the end of the episode where I'm giving uh, an example of an alternate way to use the rosary as a devotional prayer, that I said I was quoting the version as written by uh, Doreen Valiente. But in fact, I had quoted um, one from my own notes that was kind of a Frankenstein version of several different versions of the Charge of the Goddess kind of compiled together in a way that I liked. So um, if you enjoy that version, you're certainly welcome to use it. But uh, I did realize that I, I had misquoted myself. So if you were looking for the charge as written by Doreen Valiente, that is not the one that I read. Um, and I will link uh, Doreen Valiente's website uh, with that correct version of the charge there. So thank you. And I hope you enjoyed the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic in the Moon podcast. As always, I'm your host, David, and I'm so excited to be back with you. Um, And this week, I am excited in particular because um, we're starting a new series today that I'm very much looking forward to. So on this show, um, I've covered quite a bit you know, my understanding of folk Catholicism as being the Catholicism of the people that um, includes but is not limited to Christianity and is not necessarily part of the institutional church. Um, I've discussed my view on like saints and angels and um, my view of Mary being a syncretic mother goddess and my worship of her as an extension of Artemis Diana. So I think those things are helpful context for this series that we're starting on the mysticism of the rosary, but I'm not necessarily going to go in depth into those topics because they've already been addressed before. And I really want this to be about um, focusing on the rosary in particular. So I think that those episodes would be helpful for understanding the content of this series because I want to get pretty in depth. Um, so I will link in this episode's description um, previous episodes that I think are relevant to this topic. So folk Catholicism, folk magic with the saints, devotions to Mary, things like that, which I have talked about alone, as well as with um, friends of mine and previous guests of the podcast, like Michael Therese McQueen and um, the authors of The Way of the Rose, which are Perdita Finn and Clark Strand, who are wonderful folks as well. So I will link those episodes in the description, and I will also tag um, those lovely people on uh, social media and include the links to their social media profiles as well as The Way of the Rose Facebook group. So um, if you haven't listened to those episodes, I encourage you to go check those out before starting this series. Um, and even if you know those are topics you feel somewhat familiar with, maybe it'll just give you a nice refresher and kind of bring it to the forefront of your mind for the series. But um, with that being said, let's talk about the rosary as a mystical tool, as um, a devotional uh, practice, and also as a tool of manifestation and spellcasting. So first, I want to talk about how I came to the rosary and kind of my understanding of what the rosary is and how I use it. And then um, in individual episodes, I'm going to specifically talk about the mysteries of the rosary as well as my perceptions of them and how I apply them to a magical practice. So be on the lookout for those as well, because this will this will be a, a multi-part series for sure. So to start things off, um, most of you probably already know. If you don't, again, uh, please check out the previous episodes that I have linked. But to very, very briefly recap, um, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a Catholic, I'm a pagan polytheist, um, but I use a lot of Catholic-influenced folk magic, and I'm very much devoted to Mary and the saints. Um, 
Mary I view as a syncretic mother goddess. Um, specifically, I view her as an extension of Artemis Diana, the Lady of the Moon. Um, and that is kind of the perspective from which I approach uh, Catholic or Catholic-adjacent spirituality. So I was raised Christian. I did not really grow up Catholic uh specifically though so the form of christianity that i grew up in really didn't give um any sort of attention to mary at all other than just you know that she gave birth to jesus and she would be talked about in the context of like the nativity story or just like the gospel stories that were read you know like around christmas time but um you know marian devotion was not something that was talked about at all um this form of christianity i come from was very anti-catholic so they viewed uh, Marian devotion and veneration of saints as being idolatrous and not true Christianity. So this is like a really extreme form of like evangelical Protestantism that viewed Catholics as pagans, essentially. And of course, like from my perspective of anthropology, like I can see the pagan influence in Catholicism. But, you know, I think Protestants who themselves have their origins in Christianity that is Catholic don't really have a lot of ground to stand on in the sense of uh, accusing Catholics of being pagans, because if they're not Christian, you're not Christian. <laughs> anyway, that's a topic for another time. But all that to say, uh, my my spiritual background originally, as in like the what I was raised in, uh, was very anti-Catholic. So um, I don't really have any personal baggage around Catholicism in particular, because that wasn't the like controlling negative church environment I came from. So. When I was curious about Catholicism for the first time, I had already left Christianity many years before. I had already been um, an initiated Wiccan for many, many years. I had already been kind of in the public eye as a pagan for many, many years. So I didn't really have um, the personal hangups that people who were raised in Catholicism may have. So to me imagery of the Virgin Mary was very appealing to me because the only context I really had for the divine feminine was pagan goddesses. So to me, that's how I saw the appeal through the imagery. But obviously, you know, mainstream Catholic theology teaches that Mary is not divine in her own self, right? She's not considered a goddess. She's just the greatest of all the saints and she's venerated more so than other saints, but not worshiped as God is worshiped. Um, and that's the distinction between, you know, Dulia, which is the worship that is due only to God. And then, um, oh, excuse me, no, wrong word. Latria, which is the worship that is due only God. Dulia, which is the honor that is due the saints. And Hyperdulia, which is the special honor given to Mary greater than the saints, but still not worship, which is only done um, to God directly. So I had this strange uh, time, like a year and a half or so, where I was really, really drawn, felt an appeal towards Mary. But I'm like, I'm not a Christian. I am not a Catholic. Like, I don't have any desire to pick up any sort of Christian theology at all. Like, I'm a polytheist. But Mary just was so appealing to me. But I didn't have any context for it. But um, some friends of mine just kind of encouraged me, like, hey, you know what? you don't have to do anything. You don't have to become a Christian or a Catholic, like literally just like pray the rosary and just like see how you feel about it. Um, so I did, I started to pray the rosary um, a bit reluctantly at first, but as I experienced Mary more deeply through praying the rosary, um, the, the presence of her that I felt showed me very quickly that 
she is not just the Virgin Mary of the Catholic Church. She is much, much more than that. Um, and I, I'm not going to in depth um, explain like the connections between goddess worship and Mary and veneration because I've done that before. But um, through personal experiences and personal gnosis um, through my Marian devotion and then in some of my um, research as well, I am very much convinced that Mary is just one of the more recent iterations of the mother goddess um, throughout history and throughout time that she adopted um, Christian iconography and mythology in order to survive the persecution of pagan religions. So when I approach Mary in this way, not as a saint and not as the mother of Jesus, but as a pagan goddess and as uh, a lunar goddess specifically, the rosary is not only a devotional tool, although it is that as well, it is also um, a very powerful method of spellcasting and manifestation. Um, it is, it can be used as a portal to contact other kinds of spirits. Um, it can be used uh, as banishing and protecting to remove things out of your life that you don't want to shield you um, from negativity and evil from, that approaches from without. And it is also um, a mirror of ourselves because in the mysteries of the rosary and the mysteries of the life and death and rebirth of Mary and her son, we are guided through our own life, death, and rebirth. So I'm going to talk about how to actually pray the rosary. Um, I'm going to explain like the traditional way. And what I mean by traditional in this context is the officially sponsored church sanctioned version of praying the rosary so that you can learn quote, the right way before you start to do it the wrong way. But then I will tell you how I have chosen to actually pray the rosary um, and the changes and additions I've made to fit it into a folk Catholic and a pagan worldview. So again, anything I say on the show, including this episode, are my opinions only. I'm not speaking on behalf of any group or institution, and my views are only my own. These are going to be some examples of ways that you can do things if you would like to, um, or perhaps it'll give you a jumping off point to then kind of find your own way of doing something. It is by no means the only way. And if you would prefer to do something differently um, than how I describe it here, that is totally, totally fine. And that's valid as well. This is just my, uh, my thoughts on the matter. So with that being said, we're going to learn how to pray the rosary. So first, let's break down some terminology. Because the rosary uh, refers to two things. It refers to um, a set of prayers, which include, you know, the Hail Mary, the Our Father, the Glory Be, um, the Apostles' Creed, the Hail Holy Queen, and we'll talk about all that stuff and what it means. But also it refers to uh, the physical object, which are the beads um, on which the rosary is prayed. So when someone says the rosary, they mean the prayers, like all of those prayers collectively, and it can also mean the um, beads in a certain sequence that are used to pray on. So the rosary in traditional Catholic teaching, where we should start with this. 
Essentially, we are learning what the correct rules are before we decide how we would like to break them. So the rosary, um, which comes from the Latin word rosarium, which means, which I pronounce as if it were Portuguese, my bad. I don't know how to say Latin things <laughs> out loud, but rosarium, which means a crown or garland of roses. Um, it refers to a set of prayers used primarily in the Catholic Church and to the physical string of knots or beads used to count the component prayers. When referring to the prayer, the word is usually capitalized, the rosary, capital R, as is customary for other names of prayer, such as the Lord's Prayer or the Hail Mary. And when referring to the prayer beads as an object is written with a lowercase letter R, such as rosary beads. The prayers that comprise the rosary are arranged in sets of 10 Hail Marys called decades. Each decade is preceded by one Lord's Prayer, which is the Our Father, and traditionally followed by one Glory Be. Some Catholics also recite the Oh My Jesus prayer after the Glory Be. It is the best known of the seven Fatima prayers that appeared in the early 20th century. Rosary prayer beads are an aid for saying these prayers in the proper sequence. Usually, five decades are recited in a session. Each decade provides an opportunity to, med uh, to meditate on one of the mysteries of the rosary, which recall the events in the lives of Jesus Christ and Mother Mary. In the 16th century, Pope Pius V established a standard 15 mysteries of the rosary based on long-standing custom. This groups the mysteries in three sets, the joyful mysteries, the sorrowful mysteries, and the glorious mysteries. In 2002, Pope John Paul II said it is fitting that a new set of five beads be added, sorry, not five beads, that five be added, termed the luminous mysteries, bringing the total number of mysteries to 20. The mysteries are put prayed on specific days of the week, with the addition of the Luminous Mysteries on Thursday. The others are the Glorious Mysteries on Sundays and Wednesdays, the Joyful Mysteries on Mondays and Saturdays, and the Sorrowful Mysteries on Tuesdays and Fridays. Over more than four centuries, several popes have promoted the Rosary as part of the veneration of Mary, and consisting essentially in meditation on the life of Christ and his mother. The Rosary also represents the Catholic emphasis on participation in the life of Mary, whose focus was Christ and the Mariological theme of coming to Christ through Mary. So let's talk about the structure of the prayers now. The structure of the rosary prayer recited using the rosary beads is as follows. The rosary is begun on the short strand, the sign of the cross, sometimes actually holding the um, crucifix, the Apostles' Creed, and if you are not familiar with that, uh, I will briefly read it to you. It says, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, descended into hell, rose again from the dead on the third day, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, who will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I'm not a fan of those words for some reasons, which I'm sure are pretty obvious to uh, those of you that are pagan or Christian, or excuse me, are pagan and not Christian. Um, again, we'll break down later on how you can change, change these things if you choose to, but right now we're learning the so-called right way first. Okay, so first the Apostles' Creed. Um holding the cross or crucifix in the hand. Then the Lord's Prayer. If you don't know what the Lord's Prayer is, 
the English translation is usually something like, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the first large bead. We say the Lord's Prayer. Then on the next three beads is a Hail Mary. And this is for the three theological virtues, which are faith, hope, and charity. So the Hail Mary, if you don't know, is Hail Mary, full of grace. Blessed art thee among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Then in the space before the next large bead is the glory be. If you don't know the glory be, it is glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, both now and always and unto the ages of ages. Amen. Uh, which is an English translation of the Greek version of the prayer. Um, although most Catholics pray uh, a bit of a different version, which is more so like glory to the Father and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end, which is the way that I uh, first learned to do it. Okay, moving on. Lord's Prayer again is said on the second large bead, the praying of the 10 decades then follows, repeating this cycle for each mystery. So first, you announce the mystery. So if we're praying um, the joyful mysteries, for example, because today is Monday, uh, you would say the first joyful mystery is the Annunciation to Mary by the Archangel Gabriel. Then Lord's Prayer on the large bead, Hail Mary on each of the 10 small beads, Glory be on the space before the next large bead, and then you do that, you know, all the way around. And then when you've made the circle, doing the appropriate mysteries, you come back to um, the center pendant. And this is the Hail Holy Queen prayer, which is also sometimes called the Salve Regina. Um, and that prayer is Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy. Hail our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us. And after this, our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O holy mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. So those are the prayers that are used in the traditional rosary. Now, I do think, and I think this is worth pointing out, that there is great benefit to be had in praying the rosary as it is traditionally written, regardless of whether or not you subscribe to the theologies around it. And the reason I say that is because our ancestors, at some point or other, because of the colonial power that is the Catholic Church, we all have Catholic ancestors somewhere might have to go further back a little bit, um, you know, if you come from a Protestant family or something like that. But for those of us that are Christian in some way, or were raised Christian in some way, you do have some Catholic ancestors eventually. <laughs> so there's power to be gained in saying these, pros these prayers in the traditional way, because our ancestors over a very, very long time have been saying them that way. So that's why that is powerful, in my opinion. It's not about actually believing every theological claim around the prayers as much as it's about using the repeated prayers as a tool for your magic. Now, I think that is helpful in the context of spellcasting and manifestation. Um, but 
as I mentioned earlier, the rosary has multiple purposes. Yes, it is helpful as a manifestation tool and for spellcasting, but it's also a devotional item and it's a devotional prayer. So if I am seeking to use the rosary not as a manifestation, but as a devotion to who I view as the mother goddess, I do change the words because that connects me to who I am praying to and opens me up to hear them and receive what I need to receive from them. So in that context, I do not use the traditional prayers. Um, I'm not going to give you guys the exact wording of what I do because uh, there's some stuff I don't really want to share publicly. But essentially what I'm doing is I'm applying prayers to the goddess in a way that is similar in structure to a Catholic rosary. So, um, for example, instead of the Apostles' Creed, when beginning my pagan rosary or my goddess rosary, what I would do instead would be something like, um, in the name of the ancient divine presence, which was from the beginning and is now and forever will be, that all things emerge from, that all must return to. Um, this prayer is dedicated to the Great Mother, the Lady of the Universe, from whom all life comes. Something like that. And then rather than the Our Father, um, I would say some sort of devotional prayer to perhaps a masculine spirit uh, or deity to complement that energy, that polarity, right? Um, especially if I'm doing this maybe as devotional, it's like the Wiccan deities. Um, and there are some traditional prayers associated with them, not to be said on rosary beads necessarily, but I apply them that way. And um, using those prayers on the Our Father beads. So the Horned God receives prayers on the Our Father beads. And then on the other beads, which would normally be the Hail Mary, is a prayer to the goddess. And then moving all the way along, you know, throughout the beads, coming back to where in the Catholic version, you would be praying the Salve Regina or the Hail Holy Queen. I instead will recite the charge of the goddess, which is not oath bound and is publicly available. So um, that one I can share with you, which is, um, I think very beautiful. It's not, I wouldn't say it's considered um, scripture because I don't really think that Wicca has scripture in that sense, but it's definitely a beautiful piece of devotional writing um, and a beautiful piece of poetry that I, I do think Doreen Valiente, um, you know, was, was divinely inspired. So the charge of the goddess. And I'm, I, again, this is the version of that that is traditionally attributed to Doreen Valiente. The way that goes is oh, sorry everyone I had it pulled up and then my uh, my browser closed the window unfortunately give me just one second okay Listen to the words of the Great Mother, who is also called many names among men in days of old. Okay, my bad. 
have it now for sure. Okay. Listen to the words of the great mother, who of old was also called among men, Artemis, Astarte, Dione, Melusine, Aphrodite, Cridwin, Diana, Arinod, Reed, by many other names. Whenever ye have need of anything, once in the month, and better it be when the moon is full, ye shall assemble in some secret place and adore the spirit of me, who am the queen of all witcheries and magics. There ye shall assemble, ye who are fain to learn all sorcery, yet have not yet won its deepest secrets. To these will I teach things that are yet unknown. And ye shall be free from slavery, and as a sign that ye be really free, ye shall be naked in your rights, both men and women. And ye shall dance, sing, feast, make music and love, all in my praise. Mine is the secret door that opens upon the land of youth, and mine is the cup of the wine of life, the cauldron of Perudwin, the holy grail of immortality that I have made to establish the way to taste the elixir of eternal life. Let ecstasy be mine and joy on earth, even to me, for I am a gracious goddess. I give gifts of unimaginable joys into the hearts of men. On earth I give certainty, not faith, while in life, and upon death I give peace unutterable, rest, ecstasy, and reunion with those that have gone before. Nor do I demand aught and sacrifice, for behold, I am the mother of all living, my love is poured out upon the earth. Hear ye the words of the star goddess, she in whose dust are the feet of the hosts of the heavens, and whose body encircleth the universe. I love you, I yearn for you, pale or purple, veiled or voluptuous, I who am all pleasure, and purple, and drunkenness of the innermost senses, desire you. Put on the wings, arouse the coiled splendor within you, and come unto me. For I am the flame that burns in the heart of every man and in the core of every star. Let it be your inmost divine self who art lost in the constant rapture of infinite joy. Let there be rituals rightly performed with joy and beauty. And remember that all acts of love and pleasure are my rituals. So let there be beauty and strength, power and compassion, mirth and reverence, leaping laughter, force and fire by and within you. And if thou sayest, I have journeyed unto thee, and it availed me not, rather shalt thou say, I called upon thee, and I waited patiently. And lo, thou wast with me from the beginning, for they that ever desired me shall ever attain me, even to the end of all desire. So, that is an example of one way you could alter the rosary prayers in favor of a different spirituality, using my own as an example. So essentially what you would do is you can kind of fill this in for whatever you want and just use this as a devotional tool. It doesn't have to be about Jesus and Mary if that's not your thing. Um, if there, um, if you are wanting to use this as a devotional prayer to deities that maybe don't have a lot of publicly available information or maybe... Um, there are not any traditional prayers associated with them that have survived into the modern day. You can write your own or you can find those, um, you know, maybe on the internet that have been written by others and use them for your own prayers. I think writing your own in that case is just a little bit more personal and special, but it's totally fine to use pre-written ones from someone else. Um, but with that being said, if it's like a, a Greco-Roman divinity, for example, a lot of traditional prayers to them have survived. Um, some people recite prayers to, um, we'll use Aphrodite as an example, on the rosary. And at the end of it, they recite portions of uh, the Homeric hymn to her, the Orphic hymn to her. So that would be something like coming around the beads after you finish praying and saying something to the effect of, 
O muse, tell me of golden Aphrodite, the one from Cyprus who arouses sweet desire, something like that. So that's the example of using it as a devotional tool, um, either to Mary or to um, other gods and goddesses or however you'd like to do that. So in the context of manifestation um, of spellcrafting, I think it's easier to use the traditional Catholic prayers rather than adapted ones. And that's, again, because I believe there's power behind saying the same prayers that have been said in this way for a very, very long time and many generations of people. Um, and within that context as well, I think it's a powerful way to connect with spirits of ancestors because it is very much an ancestral prayer in the sense that a large percentage of people on the earth now have had ancestors that would have prayed these prayers in the exact same way. So in the context of manifestation, though, I would state what I want to happen in the past tense as if it has already been brought to me in the context of the traditional Catholic rosary prayers. So for example, if I wanted, um, if I was sick and I wanted healing for my sickness, on the Hail Mary, I would say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thee among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who healed my illness. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. And do that all the way around the entire rosary. Um, and you would insert whatever intention you wanted. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus, who brought me financial success. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. That's an example of that. So covered a lot of information, um, history of the rosary, how I approach the rosary, its function as a devotional tool, as a tool of manifestation and spellcasting. So that is all I have for you guys right now. But stay tuned for part two, where we will break down uh, the specific mysteries of the rosary, uh, beginning with the joyful mysteries. But that's all I have for you right now. And I will see you next time.